0: This is the Mojo, the meaning of life and business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching, we are dedicated to your success. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. Very often in business, one of the things that a lot of business owners start to realize is that they need to put information out there. What do I mean by that? They need to be putting content, whether it is video, it is written, it is audio, whatever kind of content can be out there is important for businesses to really be putting out. Why is that important? We'll discuss that with my guest today. But we need to really be looking, though, at how you're going to be creating the content, the different kinds of content, and how you can be using that in your business. And so I have a really great guest on the show today who's going to help us break down what digital content marketing really is and where we need to go from there. But before I bring him on, let me tell you a little bit about him. Jeffrey Lupo is a digital content marketer for B2B technology startups and marketing agencies. His background is in hard closed sales, teaching English and creative writing. He's worked with B2B marketing agencies and clients in the SaaS, DevOps, MarTech and cybersecurity spaces. Jeff, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, thank you. So I started the episode with saying content marketing and just that we're clear what exactly do you define content marketing as
1: somebody just sort of asked me this the other day in a job interview um i can't remember the exact year that content marketing kind of became a thing to me it's kind of an evolution of copywriting and copywriting just so we have a definition to start from is to me sales writing Right? It's it's writing to compel someone to take an action, whether to buy something or somewhere within the buyer's journey, to take a step toward buying something. Content writing spawns from this idea that you need to give value to the reader in order to attract them. So if you want someone to pay attention to your business, first you get their attention by giving them something valuable. So that sort of changes how The marketing or copywriting or content writing, it it goes from a sort of persuasive uh, model to a more informative, usually a more informative, educational, um, helpful sort of model. Um, Now I said writing, but like you said, it could be in the form of video, it could be any other medium. But I think that embodies the ethos of it is that you're not so much putting out marketing to persuade, you're trying to attract by giving value.
0: Thank you. So is this marketing just in a blog form? Or is this marketing in other areas that we're talking about content marketing?
1: I would say blogs are kind of the um, probably best example, most common example. I see anyway, of content marketing, but it could be like YouTube content, podcast content, right? There's, it could be an ebook. Um, It's not even, I would say it's not even specific to the digital world. I mean, content marketing didn't really become a term, I think before the digital, before digital marketing. But to me, it's just putting out content that is helpful and educational, right? It could be totally visual. It could be, you know, uh, infographics, common form of uh, content marketing. Blog content. I feel like maybe that's where it kind of maybe started because I, I I don't know if this is really true or not, but to me, kind of like that evolution from copywriting to content writing, it feels like the blog or these articles is where that started. That blogs didn't really start out as marketing uh, methods, but then they became, you know, a marketing method that practically every online business Uh, at least considers creating
0: So if we're looking at how we start coming up with pieces of content that we put out there, what are some of the key things that we need to keep in mind as we're creating the content?
1: That's a good question. I wish more people I work with asked themselves that. Um, because most of the time it's, I've got a great idea for a blog. I've got a great idea for this. And that's, I don't like to put down on that too much because you, you should trust your instincts. It is better to, I would say, produce content and then kind of try to perfect it along the way, rather than trying to make everything perfect from the start. That said, you want to have an idea of what this content is meant to accomplish, right? You could be putting out blogs. Maybe you're getting lots of views, but who's viewing it? Who are you bringing to your website? Are these people who are going to become buyers? You know, I think of it like if you're telling a great story, are you attracting vegans to your hamburger restaurant? It's not going to work out for you. So strategy is necessary for successful content marketing. Now, whether you have a loose strategy that you need to sort of, need just a starting point and you'll fine tune it as you go or you want to have uh, you want to do some extensive user research you want to get on calls with your uh, ideal client profile you want to really learn who they are before you figure out the content that'll save you a lot of work that'll save you a lot of time and resources if done well but if you don't know your customer very well you just don't have a lot of data on them i would say you know, publish, and then observe the results. Does that answer your so question so observing I I the
0: results. <laughs> sorry.
1: Does that answer your question?
0: Uh, yes. Um, thank you. So observing the results, is that looking like an example, the analytics on the back end to see how many people are coming? Is it looking at how many people are calling you? What exactly would be the key Uh, performance indicators or the key metrics that one would really want to be looking at to know that this piece, as opposed to that piece, is doing better.
1: Some people actually define marketing in a way that you have to be tracking and analyzing your results. So Some people, I'm on the fence about this, but some will tell you that if you're not tracking it, sorry about the noise, I've got a dog. Uh, If you're not tracking your results, then you're not even doing marketing. I wouldn't go. I don't know if I agree with that. Tracking is an attribution is difficult. There's no way around it. You have to be intelligent. And even if you're intelligent, it's really hard to make sense of the data if you don't have the experience, right? So it's a difficult process. It's time consuming. It's tedious, but I think everyone should be doing it. If you're putting out content. So what do I mean by tracking? I just a quick short story. When I was had a, when I was early, my early days of marketing i was uh doing b to c and there was a client and he was very excited about the possibility of going viral with uh promoting he had a uh, i don't want to you know, say who it was but he had a brick and mortar business and he wanted to go viral and it was very difficult for me to try to explain that going viral growing trending it's fun it's exciting but it's not really goal or objective related, right? If everyone and their grandmother sees your content, well, is everyone and their grandmother your you know, ideal customer? If not, then you shouldn't be spending resources in terms of getting in front of them. So there's also a term called vanity metrics. How many views did I get? How much traffic did I get to my website? Well, if they're not qualified traffic, meaning they're not people who could would ever potentially buy your product, then what value do they have? Right? So you really want to use these analytics to look at who you're getting attention from, how qualified are they? What are they engaging with? You're tracking basically how well you're achieving specific goals. Okay. So
0: if we're looking at those metrics and by the way the going viral thing you can't even plan to go viral even if you come out with the greatest cat meme as an example you have no idea if that's going to actually resonate with the people because you can put something out i as an example i put something out one time i thought it was really going to have an unbelievable um bang if you will mm-hmm. with it and i got like 60, 70 views on it. So obviously it didn't exactly even hit the algorithm to start generating any kind of um, virality with the uh, piece of content. So that becomes a different story. But going back then to understanding and looking at the analytics, looking at the, did it produce the right kind of contact? Right, so you're looking at your incoming sales calls, your form fills, whatever it may be there. Um, Is there anything there specifically that we want to really be paying attention to um, in that regard, just, you know, drilling down a little bit further on the metrics?
1: The more you're kind of tracking progress at every stage. So maybe you just to kind of give a simplified example, Let's say that you're really leveraging LinkedIn since we talked a little bit about social media. So you create a a lead magnet on your website to try and capture emails of potential customers. So you create a a case study. And it's a beautiful PDF case study, not quite an infographic, but beautiful ebook, if you will. And then you take information from that case study and you post it on LinkedIn. So you can now track what's the engagement on LinkedIn, how many people, if you've got you know attribution and reporting set up, how many people are going from LinkedIn to your website, if you're linking to that case study, how many of them are entering their emails. So you've got these different stages that are happening. So I always think of it kind of like uh, I used to date a plumber. <laughs> uh, she was a plumber. I, And I think of it that way in terms of pipeline is like, where do you have a clock? If you're not tracking things, all you know is that you're putting out content and it's not turning into customers. When you're tracking every stage, you can look at what stage is it not working? Like I'm getting, let's say I put this case study out and I'm looking at who's commenting, who's engaging, my engagement numbers are up, uh, the comments are up. I'm looking at who's commenting and it's my ideal customer but i'm not getting emails input for the case study right so i can then use analytics reporting to focus on to sort of uh troubleshoot what's happening here this is where people are falling off if you don't know where people are falling off you're you're sort of just well maybe we need a better maybe we need a better linkedin post or maybe the case study is not good enough it's like well the linkedin post is doing well the case study is not even getting read. So the analytics and sort of reporting tells you where these sort of choke points are that need to be doctored.
0: So as we look at having a an overall content marketing strategy, are we using a mix of pieces? Or are we focusing more in a certain area? What would you give guidance to somebody who's coming to you and asking you as an example to write some content?
1: If someone wants to hire me, I'm of course going to look at their website. I'm going to start with like, what's their industry? You know, broadly speaking, are they B2B? or they B2C? Um, Are they more like SaaS, DevOps, cybersecurity? These uh, content marketing is a big part of that industry. Um, part of the reason I like working in it because it's very competitive, but they also uh, need very skilled content marketing, right? So it's kind of uh, highly paid, but highly sought after that that highly, if you're highly skilled, you're in high demand. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. So, you know, if you sell soft drinks, if that's what your company does, do you really need to write blogs about it? Do, Do you read, do you go and read articles before you decide what to what drink to order at a restaurant for a soft drink, you know? So you want to ask yourself and look at what's happening online. Are, are people reading content before they make a purchase? Um, just doing a little competitor research that way will tell you like, are, do you need to be doing long form blog content? Do you need to go in depth, uh, make these very educational pieces? Do they need to be backed by scientific sources? Do these need to be more personal? Like if you're in the, again, this is kind of going back to B2C, to but if you're in the coaching, um, psychology kind of space, life coaching, anything like that, then you need to tell more personal stories. You want to share your own and others. You want stuff that's going to resonate with people on an emotional level, as opposed to if you're writing content about a cybersecurity product, right? You're going to be showing more use cases of how this complex product that no one's ever heard of could potentially help somebody solve a business problem. So I think it's just a lot of the strategy revolves a lot around how your audience is behaving. And the easiest, quickest way to do that is to look at who your successful competitors are and what kind of content, uh, what kind of mediums they're using, what are they producing? So just to
0: illustrate that if I'm in the business coaching space, I would be looking at another business coach that I know just to see what they would be doing online.
1: You know, my advice on this sort of thing is to find someone who looks like a clone of yourself, Um, not necessarily physically, but in terms of what are they selling? Are they Maybe they're a few steps ahead of you. Maybe they're like, uh, for example, if you're Maybe you're starting out as a business coach, but eventually you might like having a sort of platform where you teach, um, where you employ a bunch of business coaches, right? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But if you were to see somebody who was at that stage and their style, their message, maybe if it's business coaching, the methodologies, the teaching they had, a lot of their stuff resonates with you and what you're seeing is somebody who's on kind of a shared path as yourself but further along that person is really invaluable and i, and, you know, I mean that and that they're that's one of the best I, I would encourage you to reach out to that person and not maybe gas for a mentorship maybe just work with some consulting but connect with them and learn from them um in terms of like you said business coaching
0: Thank you. So let's move on. And you mentioned before long form blogs and I mean, how long do some of these content pieces have to be? I mean, you said, like I said before, some long form blogs, which I'm guessing are significantly long, right?
1: Yeah. I, people say long form. I've, I've never really heard a actual number in my mind. When I say long form, I tell people like 2,000 words or longer. Which I don't know. A 1,500 word blog post is is kind of a average, I guess. Blog post they do get quite long. Um, you know, I had an article I did just the other day. It was you know over 5,000 words. So. It's kind of pushing into the realm of ebook on some of these things. Um, in Terms of how long they get, you know, ebooks can be very long. <laughs> uh, I think of it more long form doesn't really have a cap on it in terms of word count. I would say that a minimum, if you're talking long form, I would say it's like 500 words. To me, that's like a short blog post.
0: Thank you. And- I was actually, I'm trying to find, but I can't actually um, locate it at the moment. But I remember back in the day, um, the folks at digitalmarketer.com had a blog post that they kept evergreen, which means that it was always updated with new information. And when they printed it out, it was several reams of paper when you think about a ream of paper that's about 500 sheets so if it was you know several of those reams that's a lot of paper when it's printed out that obviously would be a really long form post but they knew that that was performing well with the search engines and so they kept on driving more traffic they just put another anchor point that allowed you to go down to the new piece where you can start reading. So would you recommend doing something along those lines too in terms of keeping content evergreen? Or would you recommend looking at it more in terms of, well, let's write additional pages or content so that we're being seen more times?
1: So this kind of goes back to the other question you asked about tracking, right? It sounds like in this case with that company what they're doing makes sense because they're looking at what's performing well um it might be in another company's case that you know that they should create something new rather than keep updating this it just kind of depends on what's performing well for you and once you start getting a sense of what people like what's really performing well what's bringing in Your ideal customer not good customers not normal customers your ideal customers what's bringing them in because once you start uh, bringing in your ideal customers you really don't want to go with anyone else is to lean into that um evergreen content keeping your post your content updated is something that most even marketing agencies don't do i think it's a great idea i think if you want to rank in search engines then this is the way to go. Uh, content does get very long. I think that also there's this sort of, it took me a while to get over this, just to get over the mental hurdle of this. I'm a reader and I think people don't want to read long posts. They don't want to read 5,000 word This, You know, it takes like 30 minutes. Like who wants to sit there and, and read this guide, it's like reading a textbook almost, you know, a little better, a little more entertaining. But as you sort of move up in levels in this game, especially with SEO writing, you do go longer. And in terms of content marketing, I would call something like that a hero asset, you know, whatever terminology you want to use. Um, this is basically something that they know it's performing well, they're keeping it updated, they're keeping it beautiful and fresh and relevant, and they can repurpose that content a million different ways. And have it linked back. They can turn it into LinkedIn posts for the whole year. They can make infographics out of it to share also on LinkedIn and link back to this, right? So an asset like that is very valuable. It's worth keeping up and it ensures that all the repurposed content or derivative asset or whatever the terminology you want to use is, is going to be high quality. This is kind of a secret to creating to consistently creating content, pumping out lots of content, but ensuring that it's very valuable is to basically repurpose stuff that you already know is performing really well and that people value. So you do kind of repeat yourself, but there are always ways to attach that to something relevant. Like if you're always saying, hey, uh, tracking an attribution is something that nobody does and it's so underrated. If you're saying that over and over and then AI is hot and you say, look, there's new AI automation software that helps you do this, right? So now you're current and you're relevant, but at the same time, you're still sending, uh, you're just kind of sticking to your core message.
0: Right, thank you. So I wanna go back for a second because you mentioned SEO writing for content. So if I'm looking at writing for SEO value, what are some of the key things that I need to be paying attention to? Because, and by the way, search engine optimization, that's what SEO stands for. So SEO, we're all hearing, oh, you gotta optimize your website. You have to optimize your website because otherwise the search engines aren't gonna find you. So we're not gonna get into the technical details of the optimizing the site, but how do we write content for SEO purposes?
1: The number one thing to do is, let's say you've got a strategy, you've got an idea for an article already, maybe you've even got a title, right? Maybe it's something like a case study. Um, You can optimize those for SEO or optimize those for search engines. The number one thing is to think about the searcher's intent. This is something that helps you even if you don't plan to try and rank in search engines. If someone will type it into a search engine, if that same person were to just see it on your website, like if I wanted to say, um, you know, how to, you've mentioned life coaching or business coaching, um, how to find business coaches in my area, right? If you had an article, that was just published on your website, it says how to find business coaches in your area, and they click that, you wanna make sure that the content of that article matches the intent of the searcher. So not only does this help you get ranked, this makes sure that your content matches what the reader wants. So let's say you, and I, I don't know what the actual search engine results would look like for this keyword, Uh, But like how to find business coaches in your area. Let's say that was the article you wanted to write regardless of SEO. You write this article and you come up with ideas of how am I going to structure this article? Am I going to list a bunch of companies? Am I going to let's say you want to list a bunch of companies. Right. Okay, here's ones in major cities or something across America. If you're in this metropolitan, this metropolitan area, here's where they all are. Maybe that's what you put. But then you type it into a search engine and you find that the results are teaching you more methodologies of going about finding them rather than actually listing the actual business coaches in the area. And then you go, you know what? That's a little more specific to the intent of the searcher because maybe they're not in one of these metropolitan areas. Maybe they're, they don't know where they're going to be going, right? Maybe it just matches what they're Searcher really wants. So not only is that going to improve your content, but by better matching the search intent or the reader intent that's why behind why they see a, a headline and why they decide to read it. Um, that's not only going to help your content. That's not only going to help it convert better, sell more. It's going to help you rank more. That's and honestly, the the guys who are that I'm working with who are getting. Uh, ranked on page as the number one result on Google. I have articles in that position. Um, they have SEO strategy, but that's where their head's at when you're writing the whole article. They're not keyword stuffing. They're not counting relevant keywords, anything like that. Um, they give a, a few related keywords and they say, if you can work these in naturally, but don't stuff them, don't force it. They're really focused on matching the user tent and writing the best article for a keyword or search intent.
0: Great, thank you. And so we write the article, we get the article out there and we measure the results. But is there a way though to know, you know what, this piece is gonna perform better on LinkedIn, this piece will perform better by an email blast. Is there a way to judge how and where we should be using these pieces of content?
1: Well, if you're doing SEO, then having on your website gives you, uh, you want to have it on your website. If it's, you know, if you are a business coaching service and you have a website and you're publishing articles, you definitely want those published on your website because you're telling Google with every article you publish that you are an expert in this domain or an authority in this domain. This is something that uh, you you absolutely need to rank in search engines. Um, In terms of how people are responding to different things, I can think of an example where I was writing a blog blog post for a client and I was kind of turning them into LinkedIn posts and then he wanted to do some email content. So we started with trying to summarize, taking the kind of the LinkedIn post And sort of reformatting them for emails. And even though the LinkedIn posts were performing well, the emails, like right off the bat, people were unsubscribing, (laughs) you know, terrible reception on his emails, uh, email list. So he didn't want to give up on email. We ended up taking the different LinkedIn posts that I had done from over the month, looking at the highest performers just based on engagement, likes, that sort of thing, views, impressions, and Doing kind of just a very simple email roundup, like, hey, here's what we talked about this month. Here's what's performing on our social media. And that actually did really well. So to answer your question, I would it, it's, it's hard to say right off the bat, again, you want to look at what your audience is responding to. Um, the more connected you are with your audience, the more you're talking to them, whether you're getting on a call with them or through email. The, uh, It's like everything theoretical, everything you can read online about how to do marketing well, it's really just like a jumping off point. Once you start connecting with an audience, they sort of dictate the direction that your content marketing should go.
0: Thank you. So if I'm looking at just getting started Mm and I'm saying, all right, I'm going to commit to writing a piece of content. And I'm going to listen to what I just heard Jeff talking about over the last half hour or so. Is there anything else that I need to know to get started?
1: I mean, you need to know very little to get started, right? <laughs> um, what I would say is choose a medium. Um Like whether it's going to be blogs or blog posts or podcasts, choose one that you're going to offer very high quality of where you're going to give your best content. And then what other other channels or mediums you use, uh, repurpose that content into those other channels. You're going to increase the quality of your content across the board and you're going to Make things easier for yourself, right? Work really hard on one badass, you know, 5,000-word article like the evergreen piece you talked about and then repurpose that because, you know, it's not like you publish once on the internet and then the entire internet sees it and, oh, better not talk about that again because you'll just come off as like you're repeating yourself. People didn't see it. (laughs) Even if it got a lot of likes on LinkedIn, one thing I do is that when I see posts on LinkedIn, get a lot of... Views, get a lot of likes. That's, I kind of bump that up in terms of, oh, I need to repeat this more often. And as I do, it gets more and more and more as my followers grow. No one ever says, hey, man, stop talking about the same thing because more and more people are seeing and it's resonating with more people.
0: Thank you. So if we look at just getting out there, we're going to commit to doing something. Is there a particular schedule or number of pieces? a day, a week, a month that we should be striving to putting out? Um,
1: quality over quantity. I've heard a lot about you. It, it's good to have some regular posting, especially as your followers build up, because you know if, if they're expecting that, that newsletter or they're expecting something on a certain date and then it's not there, they kind of forget about you. Right. So it's good to build a habit to your audience. Um, But in terms of the frequency of posting. um, You know, I I would set goals that you think is realistic. What what can you realistically execute at your very best? If that's one article a month, do one article a month. There are newsletters out there that publish one article a month that have, you know, millions of followers. so I, I don't, you know, people probably disagree with me on this point. But from my experience, I, I can't say that posting, you know, one blog a day or a week or something like that is absolutely better than one good article a month.
0: Thank you. So let me ask you, what makes you get out of bed in the morning? I mean, hmm. content marketing, we're talking about writing content and getting stuff out there can be really exciting in terms of writing it, or it could be really, oh my God, I got to do all of this writing. What makes you get out of bed and excited about what you do every day?
1: Well, I hired a consultant not that long ago to kind of help me uh, optimize my whole LinkedIn strategy. And he did some lurking and he found some of my fiction published online and found some other stuff that I don't typically share, right, in a professional sense. And he was a he's a fractional CMO. He's been doing this for 20 years. He's worked with plenty of writers. And he says, hey, you actually like to write. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm one of these guys who's going to write whether you pay me to or not. It's just what I do for therapy, poetry, fiction, whatever. I'm going to write. And he's like, most writers don't. He says most of you guys are so eager to jump into the director, or the managing, the strategy role, right? You delegate it to someone else, and you kind of polish their work. So I like to write, and I think that you need to be—if you're going to be successful long term, like you said, you need something that's going to help get you out of bed in the morning, right? Because it's all work, it, and doing anything routinely repetitive is takes discipline. It it takes effort. It takes willpower. Even if, you know, nine days out of 10 are a blast, there's going to be that one day that you got to get yourself out of bed. So for me, a success on this, the long term is, is picking something that you really enjoy. Um, go for clients that you enjoy working with, go for projects you enjoy working with, write about stuff you enjoy writing about, you know, always go in that direction because most people quit. Most people don't go, don't they don't play the long game. And that's, you kind of got a secret weapon if you actually enjoy what you do, because most people don't, most people are in it for the money.
0: Without a question, if you love what you do, it's not a job, it's really, it's life. And that makes such a big difference. So let me ask you, taking a really big turn from here, what do you define success as?
1: Well, I think there's goals is the easy answer, right? You set goals for yourself, um, but you can achieve a lot of goals. And once you get there, you may not feel fulfilled. Like you don't feel like I don't know the champion, the winner, the successful. You don't. You just don't feel like you are. So it's a journey. You got to figure it out. And I think it's unique to different people. Um, for me personally, I don't really have a definition of when will I know I'm a successful writer? I mean, I can get to the point where I'm charging top industry rates, which I pretty much am. I'm doing some, uh, writing coaching or I'm starting to, you know, I know that I can, I've got job security. I can get another client very easily. But in terms of success, I don't know. I think of it more just as, am I achieving the lifestyle I want? Am I working as much as I want to work? Am I having a leisure time? Am I making the money I need to achieve other goals, right? Am I having fun? Another way that I maybe put success is, that maybe you haven't heard, is does your work, is everything you work on, is it energizing you? Meaning you get to work and after you've worked all day, yeah, you're tired, right? You're, you're ready to quit and you need to, you know, take a break. You need to rest. You need to go eat something, go to bed, wake up, do it over again. But in the morning, when you're coming back to it, do you feel a little, you feel energized? Do you feel that extra sort of push, um, or is something a drag? is the longer you do it, the more you're like, I don't know how much more I can do this. I'm getting burnt out. You know, that's draining you over time. And I can do writing that drains me. I can do writing that energizes me. Um. So I would say if you're doing something that's energizing you, I mean, you're, 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 you're going to go forever at it. Right. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a kind of success in terms of an, an end goal, but to me, it's like, once you've, you've got that formula, right. You've got that set up, you've got that going for you. You're kind of unstoppable in any direction you want to go it kind of goes back to what gets you out of bed, right? You figured out how to make your work get you out of bed.
0: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Thank you. So one more question that I have for you is, People have been listening to our conversation for the last almost 40 minutes or so. How do people, if they're interested in reaching out to you, how can they connect with you?
1: I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's kind of my channel. And I have a website. So email um, or my LinkedIn, which you can both find on my website or just send me a LinkedIn message. I post on there five days a week. I do some LinkedIn work for clients, so I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn, very plugged in in that regard.
0: Thank you. Any final things you want to tell our listeners?
1: Um, the only thing I would say is you mentioned a lot about getting started is I'm a big fan of single channel expertise, meaning don't get on twitter facebook instagram linkedin start a podcast (laughs) and a newsletter an email and you know sign up for 15 different softwares pick a channel and start learning it because even if you know all of them a little bit you're going to hit walls on all of them they're all saturated channels you're they're all highly competitive so you have to be good a channel to really get something out of it. If you're not good at YouTube, you're not going to get much out of it. So I would say pick a channel and master it, get better at it than everyone else. And then once you do and you're getting good results, then consider adding other channels, right? If you've got LinkedIn and it's doing well for you, then consider Substack or Mastodon or Twitter or something like that.
0: Thank you. And so Jeff, thank you again so much for being my guest on the show today. I think that we got a tremendous amount of value in learning more about content marketing. As an example, one piece of content marketing is this podcast. You are listening. And for the last uh, four years, you've been listening to this show, maybe, and it's really important. That's one of the pieces of content that we are putting out every week. You know, that it drops every week and you know, like clockwork on Tuesday mornings, you can get your new episode of the Mojo, the meaning of life and business show. And so it really is important. Like Jeff was talking about, how can you be, um, consistent, whether it's one article a month, one post a month, one piece of content, whatever it may be, is at least a way to get started. Um, so that you can be moving forward from there. And again, if the once a month is too much for you, even if it's once a quarter, it's an opportunity that you're committing to putting something out. Like Jeffrey said, it is quality over uh, quantity in terms of the number of pieces that you're putting out as well. Um, But it's really also thinking about what is it that you are doing and how is that connecting with your audience? Is your audience getting the valuable enough information that they're looking for to start working with you, to have a phone call with you, a meeting with you, whatever it may be, to be moving them one step closer to ultimately becoming either a client of yours or a brand ambassador and one of your biggest cheerleaders. The more that you can be there to make sure that all of those pieces of content are helping them in each stage of that buyer's journey from, understanding what the problem is, to realizing there's a problem, to getting a solution while they're just researching it, to becoming a client. And again, the brand ambassador piece, the cheerleader, those are all areas that you need those content pieces for to allow you to really be connecting at each stage of the game. As we said with the search engine optimization aspect of writing your content, a lot of it is also going to be based on simply Are you writing the right information at the right stage of the buyer's journey? In other words, if somebody is only researching right now, don't assume that they're already ready to buy because they may not be. They may be looking at understanding what exactly is the issue before they're really ready to buy. So if you have content that addresses that piece explicitly, then they're more likely going to be working with you as a result of that piece and then staying more in your orbit. As they opt into your marketing for you to be continuing that conversation with them. So once again, Jeff, thank you so much for being my guest on the show today until next time, this has been another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. And here's to your success. This has been another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review, liking us or reaching out to us. You can contact us at bgsicoaching.com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.